0: This is a bedtime story. I'm going to read you something which will help me go to sleep as well as I hope you go to sleep. Now I should say at the beginning that Mary Oliver is my favourite living poet. And it was a great surprise. For me to discover how popular edgar Allan poe was as a poet in the united states in fact he seems to me to be among the people that i've been in touch with almost more popular than robert frost anyway here is to help us all go to sleep the bright eyes of eleonora Poe's dream of recapturing the impossible by Mary Oliver from her book called Upstream which is a collection of essays so here's what Mary Oliver has to say this will go on as long as I stay awake in Poe's stories and hear about plague and tortures and revenge but none of these elements does more than forward the real subject of Poe's work which is the anguish of knowing nothing for sure about the construct of the universe or about the existence of a moral order within it Anything that would clarify its seemingly total and imperial indifference towards individual destiny. Poe is no different from any of us. We all choke in such vapours. Somewhat. Sometimes. A normal life includes the occasional black mood. But most of us have had some some real enough experience with certainty, which helps us to sustain ourselves through passages of metaphysical gloom. While Poe had none, not little, but none, this lack disordered him. It is not a spiritual lack but rather a lack of emotional organisation, of confidence and not self-confidence which is already a complicated asset but a lack of confidence in the world entire and its benevolent as well as malevolent possibilities. In the deepest sense Poe was without confidence in a future that might be different from the past. He was forever reliving an inescapable original woe. At the same time he was both a powerful constructor of narrative and a perfect acrobat of language. He was also a man of enormous courage with almost superhuman his poems and his stories. I almost want to say he wrote and rewrote his story and his poem, trying to solve the unsolvable and move on. But he never moved on. He never solved anything. Part 2. His mother Eliza Poe, an actress, died when Edgar was two years old. She was 24, it was a painful finish to a miserable story. Eliza Poe was penniless, consumptive and abandoned by Edgar's father, whose occasional and itinerant occupation was also acting. In Richmond, Virginia, where Eliza died, Poe was taken to live with the John Allen family perhaps by the whim of Francis Allen, who had no children, and had witnessed the death of Elijah. The relationship between Poe and John Allen, a successful merchant, was perpetually and mutually difficult. Though he took the family's name, Poe was never legally adopted. Poe became friends with a woman, Jane Stannard, the mother of a schoolboy friend. She was a strange, closeted, not too steady figure. Even as their relationship deepened, Jane Stannard sickened, was declared insane, and died. Frances Allen also had never been robust. When Poe was 20 years old and away from home, Francis Allen died. It was a separation without closure, since John Allen chose not to summon Poe home in time for a last meeting before the final and implacable silence of death. In 1834, when he was 25, Paul married his cousin Virginia Clem. She was thirteen years old. Does the future seem ensured? Eight years later, while Virginia was singing, blood began to run from her mouth. It was, it is fair to say, consumption In 1847, Virginia died. She was 25. Poe had two years to live. With terrifying gusto, he drank his way through them. In the Free Library of Philadelphia, there's a portrait of the actress, Eliza Poe. She is at once curiously stiff and visibly animated. Her long black curls, her long black hair curls at the ends, and frames the wide brow and the enormous black eyes, and the enormous dark eyes, the same dark curls, the same large eyes, in fact, a very similar white, low bodiced dress here in another painting this one in Richmond of Frances Allen and Virginia Clem she's described as having had a chalky white complexion and a long black hair and a high clear brow and large eyes that grew even larger and ever more luminous during her illness to read her herself and tails it is an altogether familiar face quote the forehead was high and very pale and singularly placid and the once jetty hair fell partially over it and overshadowed the hollow temples with innumerable ringlets now of a vivid color Jarring discordantly in their fantastic character with the raining melancholy of the calculates. I, I examined the contours of the lofty and pale forehead. It. it was faultless. How cold indeed that, that word! How cold. in I came to a stop and turning up the light I better press the necessary